Comedy's good. Glad to be in the house of the Lord and is experiencing the goodness of God in your life in this season. Amen. I pray all of us are. I am so grateful and so thankful to be back in the house of the Lord on a Sunday evening. And I'm so grateful that you all came as well. That way I'm not here by myself. And, uh, but we are so grateful and so thankful uh, for the opportunity to be back on this Sunday evening and to enter into the presence of the Lord. What a time we had this morning. Anybody enjoy this morning? I tell you, just the freshness of the Lord was in this room. And I am so thankful and I am still just... Uh, I am just from the very beginning, uh, just, uh, and uh, I just felt the presence of the Lord, and, and we were just uh, enjoying just uh, the thickness of the Spirit, and, and I'm still just rejoicing over the testimony of those that spoke this morning, and especially Sister DeVita, that just blessed my heart so well, and me and Debbie spent a little time together this afternoon, and she said, I just knew. She don't say that often, but she said, I just knew. I just felt like DeVita was going to testify this morning. And man, what a, what a wonderful, wonderful thing to hear. The goodness of God, the, the, the grace of God, the mercies of God. And uh, this is just the beginning. Amen. I believe that wholeheartedly. And uh, what a joy it is uh, to be able to be here, the privilege to be here and to worship the Lord on a Sunday evening. I am grateful to have my my much older brother with me uh, tonight, and uh, I didn't really realize he was coming, but I'm so glad that he is here with us. And uh, before I get into the word tonight, uh, Pastor Phil, won't you come and just greet the people and uh, and uh, just share your heart for a few moments? And uh, we're in we're in no hurry tonight. We just uh, are so thankful for what the Lord is is doing, and and. Looks like a little bit of hair grew back since the last time. It's on a week, but so, but uh, it's a uh, well. Happy New Year. Amen. God is good, and He's good all the time. All the time. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The Word of God gives us direction to live for Him every day and to function in our most fruitful place. I was thinking of that passage of scripture in the book of Exodus. Moses was commissioned to build a place of worship for the children of Israel. He calls out the artisans and the craftsmen and the people of God. And scripture records that every morning People were bringing offerings, and uh, people were bringing all kinds of precious metals and diamonds and gold and for the house of the Lord. Yeah. And uh, then one morning, the craftsmen and people of God, those engaged in the building, come to Moses and said, Moses... You need to tell the people there's enough. Now, how would you like to experience that? There is enough. Yeah. So Moses calls the people of God and says, stop giving. Have you ever heard that? 
stop giving. And so Moses told the people, there's enough. Let me remind you of this. There was enough because the people's hearts were stirred. Right. There was something extra special about what God was doing, so the people's hearts were stirred to give and stirred to get involved. I say that to say this. As we begin this brand new year, no matter what we're challenged with or the obstacles we face are the works that we are embarked upon for kingdom expansion. Here's my heart tonight. God says that I am more than enough. Yeah. That's the reality of our relationship with God tonight. No matter where you are, God is more than enough. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've engaged in spiritual warfare already this year. Some very intense spiritual warfare. But God has been enough. Amen. There's victory. Yeah. Praise God. We're walking in victory. We're marching in victory. We're running in victory. Praise God. We're walking by faith. Yes. Hallelujah. And the church is triumphant in the beginning of this year. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you tremendous and blessed peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for the word of encouragement this evening. How many knows that we are enough because of Christ in us? We can stand in victory and we can stand with confidence and as I'm throwing everything on the ground, it's all right. Didn't need it. And, uh, but we are so, so thankful for where we find ourselves. And as Phil was sharing, uh, I would like to say that and, uh, there is some exciting things ahead for those that will put their faith and trust in the Lord. Amen. And I believe that with all of my heart. That's not just words. That's not just hype. But tonight, I believe that to be very true, and there is exciting things that we feel like that the Lord is calling us into and wanting us to do even here in this ministry, and you'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks uh, as we get through this first month and get ready to get into the month of February. You'll be hearing some things that the, of the next phase and the next places that we're wanting to do and what we're wanting to do, so please be in prayer. Uh, for all of those things, and uh, I am believing, as he was speaking, I'm believing that there's going to be more than enough uh, to do what needs to be done in this house as well as the other houses of worship across this great land. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'm going to ask you to turn to a familiar passage of Scripture. I'm just going to jump into the Word uh, this evening. I've already got my warm-up done. I held Jackson through worship, so I'm already sweating a little bit. I got, I think I overdressed. I turned the heat up for you all that are cold-blooded, but that may be the last time I do that. I can tell you that. So I'm used to my house being 63 degrees, so, and, uh, but, uh, so, but we're, we're all right. We're going to sweat through it tonight. And, uh, but uh, 1 Kings chapter number 17 uh, is where we're going to be. I'm going to jump into the latter part of a very familiar story 
for most of us in this room, but I do feel like it's, uh, the Lord would like to speak to us uh, for a few moments. And uh, I want to be sensitive to the direction of the Lord, and I am, uh, here we are, we've, we've experienced a lot of things over the last three years as a nation, as individuals, and as ministries, and all these types of things, and, but tonight we are, uh, as we start this brand new year, the, uh, the second Sunday of 2023, uh, I just really felt like it was needful and, and uh, it, was, it was time for us to be back in this house on Sunday evening to give as many opportunities for men and women to come and to hear of the goodness of God and experience the presence of God. And I will say this that tonight, that we are in great need in the United States of America as other places we're in great need for a freshness of the Holy Ghost. We have got to, as we shared this morning, we have to become attractive in the world in which we live. And I'm so thankful that there is garments of salvation that you and I can wear. And I pray that the word of the Lord penetrated your heart this, this morning. I, I don't know. I just had fun preaching this morning. So I'm going to pray that the Lord anoints us to deliver tonight. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word if you're able. If you're not able, I totally understand. But our subject tonight for a few moments is going to be restoring life to a generation. Our text tonight is found in 1 Kings chapter number 17, beginning in verse number 17 through verse number 22. I'd like to read that with you this evening. And it says, it come to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, he fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, what have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sins to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he dwelt. And he laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? He then proceeded and he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. For a few moments tonight, I want us to look at this passage together, and we're going to focus on verse 21 and 22. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord, and he said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence, your power. We thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for the precious people that's in this sanctuary with us tonight, as well as those that are joining us by way of internet. Lord, I pray that for the next few moments you would anoint this vessel to speak your word by the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I pray 
that our lives would forever be changed and transformed. In Jesus' name, the church says amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this evening. In order for us to fully and clearly see and have understanding of the setting as well as the events that was leading up to this passage of Scripture that we just read together, I believe it's important for us to go back and build up to where we began. We find that we're dealing with a time in the history of Israel where Israel, the people of God, had fallen into idol worship. It was a time where their current king, King Ahab, had done more to provoke the Lord than anyone before him, is what our Bibles tells us in 1 Kings chapter number 16. We find that he had built houses of worship to Baal to really appease his wife. And we find that he was living in a world that was full of conflict and double standards. He was a man that had led God's people into ungodly behavior in such a manner that they had become lovers of pleasure instead of lovers of God. We see it was in this time in history that Elijah came on the scene for the very first time and immediately he begins to address the situation of Israel. We find that while Israel still had its synagogues and it still was professing that they was the children of the God of Israel, they was not only running to his house, but they was running to the house of idols. They was running to the houses that the enemy had erected, which was nothing more than the kingdom of darkness. At the same time, they was wanting him to bless them. They was running to the high places and into the groves, and they was offering things that was nothing more than a snitch in the nostrils of God. And we find that because of the wickedness and because of the evil of that day, God sends Elijah the prophet. And when he comes, there is such a, a, a word that is burning within him that was put there by the Spirit of God that we find in chapter number 17 at the very beginning, he's standing before King Ahab. And he simply makes a proclamation. And this proclamation is this. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. He was not signifying that when he speaks, but what he was saying is that when God says it'll rain, then it will rain. But until then, there is something that is changing. After this proclamation is given, we find, and you're very familiar probably with this passage, but please indulge me just for a few moments. Verse 2 through number 7, you will find that it was then that the word of the Lord come to Elijah again, and he simply says, I want you to go hide yourself by the brook called Cherith that is before Jordan. He says, I want you to go there and you shall drink of the brook. And he said, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So we went and did according to what the Lord had said. And notice it tells us in verse number six that the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And we find that he was sustained as he ate of that which was brought to him and as he drunk from the brook. But it says it come to pass after a while. We don't know how long, 
but we know this, after a while, after a time had passed, that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. It is here that we see that his words are truly coming to pass. That which he had prophesied was unfolding in the very land where he was dwelling. And this land and her people are now in a state of decline. It was a land that had once had more than enough. It was a land that had had plenty of bread, plenty of water. It was a land that had an abundance, but now it was in the state of decline. I can tell you today there has been multiple times throughout history that in the United States of America, this land has had more than enough. We have had more than enough, not just naturally, but spiritually. There has been times where we had a wave after wave of revival. The wind of the Spirit has blown many times, and it is because of the very nature of our essence of being. We find that those north of us was created because of people seeking for wealth, and I've shared this with you before. Those south of us was created uh, because men was seeking for wealth. Uh, but our nation, the United States of America, was founded because men was designed a place to worship their God freely. It was a place where we had an abundance of the presence of God and the Spirit of God flowing. We could talk about revivals of yesterday and how God has moved miraculously. But today we are a nation much like Israel that has lost her way. We are a nation today that while we still have churches on every corner in many cities, uh, we not only are running there, but we're running to our high places as well. And we are nothing more than idol worshipers. Can I tell you today, this has put us in a state where there is great decline. There is great uncertainty. We now see generations not knowing who he is, much like we see after the days of Joshua and the priests when they had passed. It says that there there arose a generation that did not know the Lord nor the great works that he did. Can I tell you, even in our own family, even after my father gave all of his life and my mother gave all of their life to this glorious gospel uh, and they pioneered the moving of the spirit along with other mighty men and women, they have great grandchildren that do not know who Jesus is, nor do they know what the mighty works thereof are. Uh, who is this? Jesus. Uh, what is it really about? Uh, we as grandchildren that had actually had conversations with my siblings that says, what do you mean uh, that you're covered by the blood? Uh, can I tell you, that's hard for me to get my mind wrapped around, but nevertheless, here we are. Uh, we're in a place or a state of decline. Uh, can I tell you, which brings me uh, to the word of the Lord that came to Elijah the second time in this series. Uh, we find that after after him initially giving the word to Ahab and after him having a counter that was giving him instructions to go to the brook called Cherith, we find that the word of the Lord comes again in verse number 8 through verse number 12. And it simply says, I want you to go to Zarephath because uh, there is a place that I need you to dwell there and I have commanded a widow woman to sustain you. And it says this, that when he came to the gate of the city, that there was a widow woman that was gathering of sticks and he called to her and he simply said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. 
And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and he said, by the way, would you bring me just a little morsel of bread in your hand? And she said, as the Lord God, the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. But behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. It is a picture of hopelessness. But we see that in this land, the place of drought is intensified in such a manner that the meal is all but gone and the oil is all but empty. We find it is in this moment that obviously she has a choice to make. She realizes he's different. She realizes something ironic is happening, but she doesn't have full understanding of it. But obviously it began to pull at her heartstrings in such a manner because when you read verse 13 through verse number 16, the word of the Lord comes again and it says this, Elijah looks at her and says, fear not, but go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me. And he says, if you'll do this by faith, that's what he's saying, if you'll trust in what I'm telling you. The Lord is saying to you, the barrel of meal will not waste and neither will the cruise of oil fail until the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And one of the most powerful passages in this story is found in verse number 15. It says, and she went and did accordingly. And because of that, we find that the barrel of meal did not waste, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. All I can say is, wow, the faithfulness of God, the provision of God. His word was on full display in the midst of this storm. But due to her willingness to trust and obey the word of the Lord, we find that she is experiencing the provision of God, the faithfulness of God. And all of a sudden, it looks like everything is well. Every day, she would walk in and she would dip out some meal and there would still be meal. Every day she'd go in and pour out oil, but there'd still be oil. She didn't understand everything that was going on. All she knew was that supernaturally something was sustaining her. She didn't have all the answers, but she just realized uh, that in the midst of me getting ready to go get my last bit of meal uh, and my last bit of oil, there's a man shows up at my doorstep and tells me if I'll feed him first, uh, then everything else is going to take care of itself until it rains. Uh, every day, I don't know, maybe she walked out her door and said, is it going to rain today? If not, wonder if my meal is going to last one more day. I'm sure there was some anxiousness. I'm sure there was some uncertainty. Uh, but I believe after a little bit of time, uh, she was beginning to develop confidence. Uh, oh, he provided for us yesterday. So I believe he'll provide for me today. Uh, and it seems like then maybe a week went by. Uh, maybe two weeks went by. Maybe a few months goes by. Uh, I knew it was a little bit of time, but we don't know how much time. Uh, but I know this, he sustained there. Uh, and as he's there, and it says after he's been there many days, is what our Bible says, uh, that there's a barrel of meal that's still producing. Uh, there's a cruise of oil that's still flowing. Uh, and we find that this woman and her son uh, and the prophet are been sustained supernaturally. Uh, everything seems to be well. Uh, but then all of a sudden, in the midst of this storm that's taking place in the earth at this point in history, uh, we find uh, that there is something unexpected. That began to happen uh, when all of a sudden we find that breath is taken away uh, from a young 
boy. Uh, in our text this, this evening, we read uh, that it says that after these things, uh, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, uh, he fell sick and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Can I tell you, the best way to say that is he died. Please hear me. It appeared everything was over. I believe it's safe for us to say today that after reading of this event and seeing how that, it, how that the prophet had been with her for many days, things began to change. I believe that their conversation at some point obviously began to cover current events. How many knows you can't be with somebody very long without starting to talk about current events? Well, if you're a man of God, anybody ever had, well, if you're really a Christian, well, if, if, if your God's really real, why is this happening and why is that happening? And so I'm sure that in their conversation, at some point along the way in those many days, uh, she was saying, well, why is this happening? Why? And he said, well, you have to realize that I understand and I perceive that you're a man of God, but why would your God allow such a thing to happen? Yeah. I'm sure that in this conversation, I, I can all, and I'm careful not to assume too much, but I believe it's safe to assume that over those conversations, those days have been together, that he said, well, I can tell you why we're in the condition we are. It's because of the state of the people. It's because of the rebellious that's taking place. I can tell you because King Ahab has done more to provoke the Lord. And I'm actually the one, before I come to your house, uh, I dwelled at a place called Cherith. Maybe you heard of it. It's just over by the Jordan. Uh, but the Lord sustained me there. And there was a raven that brought me food before you ever brought me food. Uh, and he brought me day and night. There, and before I was there, I was standing before King Ahab. And I told him, uh, not my words, but the word of the Lord, that it wasn't going to rain until God said it would rain. So I understand what's going on because there's a, there's a time or a season of judgment that we're in. And I believe that conversation had taken place because when you look at the text this evening, uh, we find that after all of this has happened and her son falls sick, notice what she says to Elijah. What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? What she was saying is God brought you so I could be under judgment like the land is under judgment. But notice what is happening. This is setting the stage for the miraculous power of God to be on display. To touch a woman in a manner that she had never been touched. We find that she saw her son at this stage in a manner that she had never saw him before. Lifeless. It is in this moment that Elijah begins to move, and he moves as he's moved before. He begins to move by faith. Tonight, can I tell you, we are in a defining moment, and we have got to once again begin to move by faith. Please stay with me. He said unto her in verse number 19, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom. And he carried him up into a loft where he dwelt, and he laid him upon his own bed. And I'd like to point out just a few things concerning this text this evening. The first thing that I would like to say to you and I is that he picked up this boy. It required strength. If you and I are ever going to be instrumental in restoring life to a generation, please hear me. We are in a place right now 
where the church once again is going to have to acquire strength. The task that is before us cannot be done in a weakened manner or a weakened state. But you and I today must understand that there is a strength that is given to us through Christ Jesus our Lord. But in order for us to fully walk and operate in it, you and I have to be men and women, as we shared this morning, that is clothed in the garments of salvation. And we only wear those garments, as we said this morning, when we get to a place where we are spending and dwelling time in the secret place with him. You say, how is it that you know that we walk with strength? Can I tell you there is a strength? There is a strength that is not of this world, but it is the strength. And I quoted this morning that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that shall quicken these mortal bodies. But can I tell you, Paul says to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, knowing that he which hath raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thing thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God but in verse number 16 for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perish yet the inward man is renewed day by day there is a strength that you and I can operate in in this season that does not make any really sense to the world in its way of thinking. But you and I as men and women of faith, if we are continually and faithfully spending time alone with God, the inward man is able to be renewed day by day. The second thing I'd like to notice with you tonight is this, that he did not just take him from her bosom, but he carried him up into a loft where he dwelt, or where he took his abode. What does this really mean? It was the place in which he had an intimate setting with the Lord. Can I tell you, he took him to a place, I believe, where he had encountered God multiple times in a private manner. Can I tell you, I find scripture to back this ideal up this morning or this evening because in the gospel of John chapter number 15, it finds these words, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I know this. It is safe to say that the prophet was abiding in the Lord because he was operating in power and authority. He was speaking on the behalf of God himself, and he was operating. What he was saying was coming to pass. It was in fulfillment. It was in motion in that moment. So therefore, I have no reservation in saying that he was abiding in him. And therefore, if he was abiding in him, I can, tell you with, with, I can say with complete confidence uh, that that means God was abiding in him. And therefore, wherever he was, God was. Uh, and therefore, he realized, I have to take this boy to a place where I know uh, that me and God has a place uh, where we are coming together. You find in verse number 7 of John 15, it says that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Please hear me. We find that it continues to go on. That when you begin to walk this thing out, and if you was to go to 1 John chapter 2, 23 and 24, you would find that he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. 
I want to say to you tonight that not only did Elijah take this boy uh, and pick him up and take him from the bosom of his mother in a lifeless, hopeless condition, but he carried him and put him in the, on the bed upon which he lay. Notice this. Uh, thirdly, he took him and laid him upon his bed, which I believe and others believe as well. It was a symbolic manner of bringing the boy and laying him out before the Lord. And one could simply say this was not just a prayer spoken, but this was a prayer that was acted out. Simply saying, Elijah said, I'm laying him before the Lord. What needs to take place is beyond my control, but it is not beyond your control. And therefore he took this boy and laid him on his bed. He then, after that, he proceeded uh, and he laid himself upon this child. Uh, the Bible says that after he began to call out, uh, he stretched himself upon the child three times and he cried unto the Lord and he said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. Again, notice it was in that moment that something happened. I want us to hear this tonight. We find it says in verse 22 that the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Not only did he hear him, but the soul of the child came into him again. And the last three words, and he revived. I'm going to be honest with you tonight. Everybody talking about revival. Everybody want revival. Everybody's ready for a move of God. But revival doesn't just happen. There will never be life coming to a generation until somebody's willing to operate in faith and in strength. You and I today, it's wonderful that we're in the house of the Lord tonight on a Sunday evening. I, I, I wish y'all swinging from the rafters tonight, but that's not the setting. That's all right. But I believe we need to understand uh, simply this, uh, that revival is hard work. Uh, it means this, in order for revival to come, uh, somebody's got to die to flesh. Uh, somebody's got to be willing to pay the price. Uh, somebody's got to get to a place where they're willing to operate in faith. Uh, somebody's got to be willing to get back and say, I'm not going to put and lean to my own understanding, uh, but I am going to put my faith and my trust in the one true God. Uh, Elijah finds himself in this scenario. Uh, that we read tonight and it's simply this uh, it seems like God is on their side uh, and all of a sudden unexpectedly a young boy uh, has no breath left in him uh, and we find he has a dilemma uh, I've been here she's worked with me she's provided for me uh, and now her son is lying in a death state uh, what am I supposed to do uh, he could have said oh woe is me uh, he could have began to shed bitter tears and say I don't understand and I'm so sorry for your loss. Uh, but no, uh, by faith he responded and simply said this, uh, I know that my God is bigger than what I currently see. Uh, and because of that, uh, we find that he says, give me that boy. Uh, can I tell you this evening, uh, when I look around and I see the condition of the world, uh, yes, it is weighty, uh, and yes, it breaks my heart, uh, but I have to remind you and I today uh, that this 
thing is not over uh, until he says it's over. Uh, I believe that there's some principles that we must learn from within the depths of this historic event. Uh, when the widow woman cried, nothing necessarily happened. Uh, heaven wasn't moved uh, because there was a cry of desperation. Uh, while she acknowledged God, she was not walking with God. Uh, she said that, you say, how do you know she wasn't walking with God? Uh, it's because when he arrived, he simply says, uh, she says, your God. Uh, she didn't say her God, but she references, if your God. Uh, so we find that she acknowledged him, but yet she had not surrendered to him. Uh, but we find that now she's saying, is your God bringing judgment to me? Uh, but notice when Elijah begins to cry, something happens. Uh, the cry of the righteous, uh, it still availeth much. Uh, and can I tell you tonight, uh, we are currently in a place uh, where once again, uh, we see them in our cities. Uh, we see them in our families. Uh, we see them, sadly, even in the church week after week. Uh, a generation uh, that is lifeless. Uh, they don't have no hope. Uh, they don't have no breath in them. Uh, they're nothing more than dead men walking. Uh, and then we wonder why everything is the condition that it is. Uh, but many have never experienced and never known the power of his breath. Uh, but many are dead today. But God forgive us uh, while we continue to go through the formalities and engage in religious activity uh, thinking that it's going to change something. Uh, but can I tell you uh, change is never easy uh, but change is often necessary. Uh, it's not easy maybe for you to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday night uh, because if you're saying yes to this uh, you're saying no to something else. Uh, but can I tell you uh, it is worth it. Uh, you may not see it just yet uh, but can I tell you uh, I may be pulling a plow tonight uh, but can I tell you there's going to be some seeds planted uh, and there's going to be a harvest standing in the field. Uh, listen, uh, I got to remind somebody today uh, that we're in a place right now uh, where we need to be sensitive to what God is saying. Uh, notice with me, it is us that must provide a covering uh, for them that are simply lifeless in this moment. Uh, not only did Elijah begin to cry out, uh, but he took him to a place uh, where a new God was. Uh and he simply laid down upon him. Uh, he provided a covering over him. Uh, and he simply began to cry aloud. Uh, listen, Dr. Parsley said this, uh, that silence uh, is the voice uh, of defeat. Uh, can I tell you, uh, we are in a place of defeat because we have not encouraged men and women to use their voice. Uh, your most powerful thing that you have uh, is your voice. Uh, can I tell you, uh, that's why as we said this morning, Samuel Chadwick said this, uh, in a quote when he was speaking at one time, uh, he says uh, that the enemy, he laughs uh, at our toil uh, and he mocks at our wisdom, uh, but yet he trembles when we pray. Uh, can I tell you, uh, when you pray, you're activating a voice. Uh, you're doing what Elijah did. You begin to cry. Uh, and when you begin to cry aloud, it's not just any cry, uh, but it's the cry of the righteous. Uh, and when the righteous begin to cry, uh, it begins to go 
through this realm uh, into the atmosphere, uh, into the heavenly realm, uh, and it touches the ear of God. Uh, and when he hears, uh, he begins to respond. Uh, can I tell you when Elijah began to cry uh, and he laid himself upon this boy, uh, there was a generation that was dead and lifeless, uh, but all of a sudden uh, we find there was a warmth that began to come to his body. Uh, can I tell you, uh, as the warmth in the natural began to come to his body, uh, it says that God released the soul of the boy uh, and it came back into the child. Uh, I know that there's an enemy that tried to steal the very soul of humanity uh, in this season, uh, but I come to serve notice. Uh, he can't have them just yet. Uh, they may be lifeless. Uh, they may seem to be cold. Uh, it may seem like everything is over. Uh, their family and a generation might be saying, oh, why is it this way? Uh, but I just need a man of God. Uh, I just need a woman of God. I don't need everybody. Uh, I just need one uh, that will simply by faith say uh, to that mama uh, or to say to that daddy, uh, give me that boy. Uh, give him to me. Let me have him out of your bosom. Uh, and you by faith begin to carry him up to that secret place uh, and begin to lay over him. Uh, and can I tell you when you begin to cry aloud, uh, I'm here to tell you there's a generation uh, that's about to receive a restoration of life. Uh, I'm not here doom and gloom tonight, uh, but I'm here to tell you there's a generation worth fighting for. Uh, there's a generation that's lifeless today, uh, and the world says, oh, I just don't know. Uh, but I come to tell you that I do know uh, that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Uh, and if I'll cry out in faith, uh, I can bring a resurrecting life to somebody in this hour. Give him a praise this evening. Please hear me. This wasn't just any cry, but it was a cry of faith. I'm hurrying. I just wonder, do I have any faith people in the room with me? You see, faith is not activated by the atmosphere in the room. But faith is what changes the atmosphere in the room. I've shared this story multiple times over the years, and even recently I alluded to it, but he's in the house tonight at 70-some-odd years old when he was a little boy. And mom and dad received report that can't do anything for you. There wasn't no praise and worship going on at Brother Dalton's house when they arrived. Hear me. There wasn't nobody getting revival atmosphere started before they got there. Nobody knew that's coming. But when they got there, faith activated. And because the cry of a righteous man, you hear me, there wasn't a lot of breath in him at that time. Death was coming. But because the cry of a righteous man, Something began to happen in a generation. I want you to get this. Lifeless. Hopeless. But because God heard the cry of a righteous man, there was something released in the heavenlies. And now, because of that, a generation began to have life in it, grow and develop 
And now 50 plus years of ministry, thousands of people have heard the name of Jesus because one chose to cry. Hear me. Restoring life to a generation is not something that can be ignored, but it's something that must be embraced. I don't base my life on what I currently see, but I base it on what I know to be true. And this is what I know. If there was a boy in Zarephath that was lifeless and had no breath in him, and a righteous man cried, and he got up, then I know the death that I currently see cannot remain. Because the same God then is the same God now. I'm trying to awaken us to a place tonight where we can see that when a cry goes forth, the breath returns. We are asking for breath without the cry. But the cry is what produces the breath. What I'm saying is this, there is no shortcut to this thing. The word of the Lord says, where are you? Why are you not laying between the porch and the altar? Why are you not in a state of prayer and fasting, seeking my face? Hear me. May I remind you, the Lord has something to say about the situation. And I believe he's spoken concerning this day as well as he did in that day. Can I tell you, I know there are those today in our culture that simply says, Oh, it don't look like it used to, preacher. It's not like it was. Can I tell you, there was a man by the name of Zerubbabel that had to deal with that. And this is how the Lord addressed that group of people then. And this is how he's going to address it even now. Haggai chapter 2, verse 3. The question is asked, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison as nothing? There was people saying, oh, it's, it's never changing. It's never going to be like. Never going to be like it was in Solomon's day. Never going to be like it was. Never going to be like it was. It's never going to be as beautiful. Never going to be this. Never going to be that. Never going to be as powerful. No, 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 no. Listen. Please listen. The word of the Lord comes to Haggai the prophet and says, I need you to go tell that, that young man and a couple others as well as my people. I need you to deliver a message to them. Yet, now. Somebody say now. Not tomorrow, but now. Not next week, but now. Not next month, but now. Not next year, but now. Yet now. Be strong, O Zerubbabel. Oh, be strong, O Joshua. Oh, and be strong, all ye people of the land, says the Lord. Y'all don't like this part, but and work. Shake your head the other way, Wade, <laughs> and work. You ain't re- there ain't no retiring in this thing. You can retire from the carpet business, but you're not retiring from this. And work. Be strong and work. For I am with you. If I was in a Pentecostal church, they'd be shouting me down right now. That wasn't what man said. 
But that's what the Lord of hosts says. And he goes on and he says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while. Tell your neighbor, say, just a little while. Just a little while. He said, there's coming a day, yet, yet a little. I know what you see right now isn't what you want to see. I know what you see right now is opposition. I know what you see right now, it kind of pales in comparison when you're looking at apples versus apples. I understand that it's not as elaborate as you once remember it was. But can I tell you, just be strong and work. For I am with you. Oh, and tell them this, and a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I need an organ to get that effect right there. I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake some nations. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house. He didn't say he'd fill every house. He said, I'll fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. But it don't stop there. And the glory of this latter house in verse number nine of Haggai chapter two. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now notice with me, uh, this ain't in my notes, but this is, I feel it in the unction of my spirit. I gotta, I gotta pause here for a moment. Uh, he doesn't just say, thus saith the Lord now. But he's saying that the glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former, says it's the Lord of hosts. And in this place shall I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts, we're talking about him in a different demeanor. We're talking about him in a military fashion. We're talking about him in a place of armor, uh, in a place of authority. Uh, we're talking about him saying this, uh, I know you don't understand what's taking place right now. Uh, and I understand that what you may see is lifeless and hopeless. Uh, I know what you see right now doesn't really give you goosebumps or make you excited. Uh, but you've got to realize something, uh, that if you'll work, uh, if you'll just be strong in me. Uh, if you'll just put your faith and trust in me even when you don't really understand and know what to do. Uh, that I'm not just showing up uh, as your provision. Uh, I'm not just showing up as your banner. Uh, I'm not just showing up as your Jehovah Nisi. Uh, no, I'm not just showing up as Jehovah Shalom. Uh, but I'm showing up as the Lord of hosts. Uh, meaning this, I have equipped myself for battle. Uh, thank you Holy Ghost. Uh, I'm getting armored up. Uh, the heavenlies are getting ready. Uh, and I'm a about to wage war on the enemy on your behalf. Uh, and that which the enemy said would never come to this house uh, is about to come to this house uh, because the Lord of hosts is on the scene. Uh, can I tell you, uh, it's not by might, uh, it's not by power, uh, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Uh, I'm here to tell you uh, that there's a breath that's about to come uh, to the house of God. Uh, somebody ought to get excited uh, because when breath comes, uh, that means sons and daughters begins to prophesy. It means everything changes. It means a generation begins to live. Oh my God. 
I wish I had some help in this house tonight uh, because I feel the preacher today. Uh, listen, uh, you're not going to take my joy. Uh, you're not going to take my peace. Uh, I'll preach and I'll let the rock try out uh, because there's a generation that's about to live. Bless God. I may not be the majority today and you may think I've lost my mind, uh, but on a Sunday night, I can tell you uh, that I hear in my spirit, uh, breath is returning. Uh, breath is returning. Uh, breath is returning. Uh, oh, uh, listen, uh, I'm not gonna keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, there's a change that is coming uh, because uh, of the cry of the righteous this evening. I wonder... I wonder, oh, I wonder, is there anybody that's willing to cry aloud today? I'm tired of this whisper praise. I'm tired of this whisper prayer. Listen, well, well, that's, that's not me, preacher. Quit lying to me. I've seen you. Run, Johnny, run. That's my boy. You don't care how crazy you look. But then, thank you, Jesus. Really? I wonder, is there anybody willing to cry? I don't need just any cry. I need a, I need a Willie Russell cry. Oh, God. Hear me. Oh, that's embarrassing. Oh, that's embarrassing. Really? You wouldn't be so concerned about being embarrassed if, you're, if it was your baby that was hooked on drugs. They had no hope, no life in them. Listen, if you knew that somebody would cry out that way, and he'd deliver them, you'd say, cry louder. You know what our downfall is? We're wearing a garment that does not please God at all, and it's a garment that he hates. It's a garment called pride. Oh, it looks pretty. It looks appealing. The enemy even lets you think that it's attractive, but I'm going to tell you something. It don't deliver nobody, and it doesn't bring life to anybody. You and I got to get back to a place where we're willing to put on a garment called humility. What am I talking about? Where I humble myself before the Lord and say this like Elijah did. Lord, I don't know what you're doing right now, but Lord, I'm going to trust you. I don't know if you really got me here because you're going to bring judgment to this lady or not. I don't know what's going on, but Lord, I brought him to you and I laid him out. And I know this, that you're bigger than what I see right now. And you're bigger than how I can comprehend. But Lord, I'm just going to lay myself and I'm going to cover this kid. Because Lord, I want him to live and not die. And because of the cry of the righteous, boom, life comes back in. I'm here to tell you life is coming. Life is coming. As they make their way back to the piano this evening, can I tell you, I have a whole lot more to say, but I feel like I need to be done. I wonder, is there anybody willing to cry? James chapter 5 verse 16 says, the effectual favorite prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's much that we're fighting today. I am not oblivious to that. 
But I'm going to tell you something. We're in a place right now where we have to cry. Why? Proverbs 15 and 6 tells me this. It's not in the house of the world. It's not in the house of the wicked. But it's in the house of the righteous as much treasure. What is the most precious thing that we have? When I began to think on this passage of Scripture, it's like, in the house of the righteous is much treasure. And I'm like, well, you know, when you look at it, there's a lot of people out in the world that it looks like they're full of treasure. But I began to realize the most precious thing that we have is life. Proverbs 11.30 tells us the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The word of the Lord says, I come that you may have life and have it what? More abundantly. Here's what I'm saying to you all on this first Sunday evening of 2023 that we're together. You and I must make the decision to become restores in this hour of life. I'm not asking you to be anything other than the simple fact that God has called us to be the restorers of the breach. As we're in this state of prayer and fasting, petitioning heaven, Isaiah 58 is considered to be the fasting chapter of your Bible, and when you read through it, you'll find great things in it. Verse number 12 is an amazing verse, and it's after everything else that God has said concerning fasting. It says, And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. They shall raise up the foundation of many generations, and they shall be called the repairs of the breach, the restorer of past to dwell in. What he's simply saying is this, For those that will fast and pray according to my word and will seek my face and give themselves to me and become ones that is clothed as we preach this morning that are walking in the garments of salvation. He said they will be restorers of the breach and they will be restorers of the path to walk in. I want us to understand tonight that this isn't the same everyday routine, religious activity that we've always been engaged in. This is a different time. Things have changed. There's a generation that desperately needs somebody. And I'm not asking you to get everybody. I'm just asking you to get one. Elijah, there's a whole generation around him suffering from drought and famine. But here's the deal. He focused and he ministered on the one that was standing right before him.
those things that will cross your path this week that you will say, oh, this is an inconvenience. If you're not careful, it's an opportunity that you're going to miss. Because it could be the fact that that person standing in front of you has a, has a child in his bosom and simply saying, I don't know what to do. But if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, this is what we can say. Would you, would you give me him? What he was simply saying at the very beginning of this is, listen, I, I see what you're carrying. Let me hold it for you. I don't think even in that moment he knew exactly what he was going to do. I think it was all a walk by faith. It was step by step, God revealing it as he went. He picked him up. He said, let me have the boy. His spirit says, bring him up to me. Can I tell you? There has to be a place of elevation that we take this generation. He didn't just take him to a room. He took him up to the loft. He took him higher. Listen. Spiritually, we got to pick a generation up and we got to lift them. We got to carry them to the Lord. Just like the four friends that carried their friend that was on the stretcher, they had to pick him up and carry him and rip the roof off. You read that in your Bible? And lowered him down in the presence of Christ. You and I today, we got we to gotta pick him up. We got to pick her up. No matter what condition they're in. And carry them, and even in their lifeless state, lay them out before the Lord in our bed. You can't stop there, though. But then you got to begin to just lay yourself upon it. It says he did it three times. And he said, oh, God. Oh, God. He actually said, oh, Lord, my God. I'm glad he's my God tonight. And he said, my God, would you just let him live? You don't read any elaborate thousand these and super spiritual words been used. He just says, oh God, would you let him live? And it says, the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. You want a wow factor tonight? Is if you can say this, I know that I've given my heart to the Lord. He's my Savior. And you know that you have committed your life to Him. Then this, we can know that we are made righteous through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if He heard the cry of a righteous man by the name of Elijah, when you cry out, He hears your cry. A wow moment is God hears you. But when you cry in faith... There's a generation that can once again experience breath. So I wonder tonight. I wonder tonight. Is there anybody willing to cry? I'm thankful for the lay me down to sleep prayer. That you teach your son, your daughter. And I'm not taking anything away from that. My prayer tonight is this. And if I'm completely transparent and honest with you, I, if there's one thing I could do over in my life, probably it'd be this, that I'd let my kids hear me pray more than they heard me pray. 
But my prayer is that my grandson and my granddaughter and my other grandson that's on the way, I pray that they hear their mommy and their daddy crying out to God. I'm thankful that I can be in the house of the Lord and hold my grandchildren and help teach them to lift their hands and worship and exalt the name of Jesus. That's, it don't get no better than that. But I want them to hear a cry. I don't want them to hear just a song, but I want them to hear a cry. Because that cry is what produces breath. And I'm going to tell you, if there's ever a time we needed the breath, it's now. It is the drawing of the Spirit. It's going to change our culture. I pray you hear my heart tonight. This generation, it's worth fighting for. Your sons and daughters are worth fighting for. Your grandchildren's worth fighting for. They need breath tonight. But breath doesn't come. Unless first there's a cry. As we stand all over this house this evening. Here's what I'd like to do tonight. You'd say, Pastor, I've, I've heard your voice this morning. I've heard the voice of the Lord this evening. And I know we could do a traditional altar call tonight or what have you, but you'd say, I've heard, I've heard the Spirit of God tonight minister to my heart of the importance of the cry. I don't believe in happenstance. I believe by design that God does things, and I think it's by design that, that Phil is here tonight with us. And I'm going to ask him to come back and join me on this platform, if he would, please, if he would not mind. And as he's coming, as you're standing in this house, you would say, I've, I've heard, I've felt, I've sensed, whatever terminology you want to use. But you'd say, I, I'm willing to lift my hand and be one that begins to cry because I want a generation to live. I want to be one that helps bring breath back to a generation. I need you to have an act of faith tonight that you believe God is able to do it and is willing to do it and wants to do it. And just like Elijah moved by an act of faith and said, give me your son, and he walked up to the loft. 
I'm going to ask you by faith, if you believe God is speaking to us tonight, by faith, I want you to walk from your seat and come and stand in the front of this building right now with us. Plenty of room, plenty of room, plenty of room. And as you're coming tonight, I don't want us to think about anything else for the next few moments. I know we all have responsibilities tomorrow. You may have things you got to do tonight before the night's over, but I don't want you to think about any of those things. You may have lunches to pack for kids. You may have all kinds of things, but don't, don't let any of that come into your mind right now. The only thing I want you to dwell on for the next few moments is this, is a generation that needs breath. And I want you to realize that the cry that's getting ready to come forth from this house has the power and the ability to bring life to a generation what's that look like it means miracle signs and wonders can come to a generation no matter how young how old but I'm believing this that when the spirit of God the breath that's coming in this latter house this latter house anointing that's coming in this in I believe at the very beginning of this year in this now in this moment now in the now that it's getting ready to produce healing, miracles, signs and wonders, and things are going to change. Doesn't matter what the report says. Doesn't matter what it looks like in front of you. What matters is that your cry, as you're covering a generation, there's life coming. So I want Pastor Field tonight, just be led by the Spirit of God, if you would please. Every Tuesday night, they're an intercessory prayer. And I believe tonight, He's present in this house to usher us in to the presence of God in a manner where breath begins to come as the result of the cry that comes from this house. I believe that what's getting ready to take place in this house is getting ready to bring a release to some people's children and grandchildren. It's going to bring some healing to some situations. And I want you to begin to let your faith arise right now. And I want you to begin to lift your voice. I don't want you to be whispering. I want you to lift your voice. I know that may stretch you a little bit, but don't be afraid if your neighbor hears you tonight. But you're not here to listen to Phil pray. He's just going to lead us in prayer. And I want you to pray right along as we call out to him. Pastor Phil, just be led by the Lord.